Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton, joined today by Michael Warren, White House correspondent of the Weekly Standard. Michael, how you doing? I'm great, Eric. Thanks for having me. You know what? What's missing here in the in the podcast studio? What's that? Fiji water. I need. I need to. If I get cotton mouth, if you can hear it, uh, it's because I don't have my Fiji water. Uh, that's that's okay. We can do. We can do it. We can. I can. I can get along. Now, if you don't know what the Fiji water reference is, that means maybe you missed the Trump press conference today, which had a kind of um, what I did on summer vacation (laughs) quality to it. Yeah, this was, uh, I look, we were expecting something uh, at the end, or I guess on the president's return from this big 12-day Asia trip. He went to five different countries, stopped off in Hawaii at the very beginning, um, and uh, was his longest presidential trip uh, so far of his young presidency. Um, And you're absolutely right. We got uh, we got a overview of what he did, who he saw, what they discussed in a very vague kind of frameworky way. The things that the the, the phrase you did not hear at all uh, expected to hear it at the beginning. If I was going to hear it at all was today, I'm announcing something, a trade deal, uh, uh, a new uh, agreement on some something regarding North Korea. Um, you didn't hear any of that. Instead, you heard uh, a lot of uh, the United States is respected. Again, uh, people are, you know, we are going to be beginning uh, the process of uh, doing something to, uh, you know, bridge this trade deficit. Lots of beginning things, lots of talks about things, uh, but nothing really, as far as I could tell, uh, substantive. And I think that's uh, reflective of, of, of how the, the trip went for the president. There are all sorts of, um, you know, doctrines in American foreign policy history. I, I kind of got the sense that this was uh, that the for the Trump administration, it's shaping up as the Aretha Franklin doctrine. <laughs> Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, That's right. looms very large for the president in his relations with foreign countries. That's right. Uh, and you can sort of add below that, um, you know, sort of exporting this idea of sovereignty of nations, uh, uh, you know, using their finding out, discovering their own self-interest and and seeing uh, basically stacking up your self-interest against the other countries and trying to figure out a way to cut a deal. Um, I think that's reflective of of his view of the world and his view of sort of the United States's role uh, as it should be. Although, isn't it a, a bit naive to think that people haven't for eternity nations think about what's in their best interest and act on what their self-interest is. It, it would seem to me a bit odd to think that the United States is bringing to the world the notion that people should negotiate with their self-interest in mind. I, I think there's a couple things going on here. One, there's uh, some projection, right? There's some projection from the president and from uh, and his worldview that, um, that boils down to uh, the elites in our country, and presumably the elites in your countries as well, the elites in our country for years have made stupid decisions. This is something that Trump has been saying for thirty years in uh, in his public life. Is that uh, you know on tr- on trade in particular that the elites, the people who are running the country, they're 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 not acting in their own self interest because they're too stupid to know what their own self interest is and what the self interest, what they uh, what the interest of the country is. And then there's the second element, which is which would actually be kind of in- interesting and, and might lead the president down an interesting path uh, if he sort of explored it logically to its end, um, 
which is the idea that 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 leaders ought to act in what is their in their people's interests, and that's the sort of populist side of things. Uh, of course, that 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 message is kind of undercut when, uh, for instance, uh, you go to a place like the Philippines, where the uh, the president there. Uh, I mean, talks about uh, ha- talks about killing drug dealers, um, uh, you know, doesn't uh, accept uh, questions from the press and the leader of the free, free world doesn't doesn't do anything. Isn't it in the interest of the Filipinos, uh, the Filipino people um, to have a free and open society? Um, I think if the president went down that that path, it'd be kind of interesting. He didn't quite go that path. I, ultimately, it sort of reflects his view um, that um, which kind of cuts against the old school conservative view that sort of America has an exceptional uh, uh, vision of humanity and and that uh, America uh, sort of inculcates um, uh, you know an American exceptionalism uh, that sets us apart from other nations as a creedally um, he focuses much more and you heard it in this in this uh, address uh, that uh, on sort of um, you know, reflecting um, the history of, of the country and that everybody just, uh, uh, if everybody sort of recognized each country's sovereignty and independent nations acting in their own best self-interest, um, whatever those interests might be, um, that the world would be a better place. It's kind of a utopianism of, um, of, of, of kind of national sovereignty. Um, it, it's, I don't think it holds... Uh, a lot of uh, uh, it doesn't hold under close uh, scrutiny, but it certainly re- reflects what, how the president thinks of the world. Now, to be fair, the president in his tour of the horizon of his trip, he didn't have to cover up for any gaffes. It was a largely gaff-free trip. Absolutely, I think if he had taken this trip um, several months earlier, we might we might n- have heard of more of these things. I think. Um, if you'd had Scaramucci along, well, so, needless to say, <laughs> um, I, I think in that, in a very small way, he has uh, kind of grown into the office a bit. In the sense that um, he's still the same old Trump. Um, he's he's the guy who says what um, he's thinking. But there's been a bit. You could tell there's been a bit of um, uh, of a filter, uh, probably self-imposed filter. Um, and sort of understanding and knowing, um, you know, the gravity of these these kind of meetings and the grandeur. You talk, you talked about this. You know how grand uh, all of these nations welcomed the, del- the the American delegation and the president himself. I think he's in many ways um, awed by that and uh, and kind of uh, tempers his uh, his impetuousness uh, uh, to speak out or to make uh, so called gaffes that probably would. You know, who, who knows, probably work in his favor if, uh, uh, you know, with his base here in the United States. Um, I, I, I will say, uh, however, uh, that is reflective in, in something else we want to talk about, which is this whole Roy, Roy Moore right. issue. Which asked, is, asked about after his speech, he was asked by reporters and had no answer for what to do about Roy Moore. That's right. Uh, and I've been tracking closely what the White House has been saying ever since the Roy Moore story uh, uh, and the allegations have broken and the president himself actually stuck pretty closely to what his uh sort of official statement from the from the press secretary and from the white house has been which is if these allegations are true um you know he he should step aside um you've heard a lot of republicans in washington uh and elsewhere say as the uh, as as roy moore has defended himself uh, as as another alleg- uh, another uh, accuser has come out um 
essentially that uh, you know they think they think they believe the the accusers and that Roy Moore should step aside. The president and the White House have not gone that far. Um, and during his Asia trip, I, I would say the president um, uh, really kind of stuck to the script, which was surprising, uh, it, maybe if not satisfying to those of us who would like to know what he really thinks. Is there the risk that if the president came out and said, Roy Moore's got to go, then Roy Moore doesn't go and the president looks impotent? Yes. <laughs> There's a, basically there is a no this is a no win scenario for Trump, which is why he didn't say anything, which is why it wasn't a press conference. It was a it was a speech uh, in one of the smaller rooms of the White House. There, the, the press there was was not it was not the sort of the mass of of reporters who might be at the White House uh, on any given day. But the pool, the smaller pool with uh, photographers and a few, you know, uh, on camera and, and print reporters. Um, Which this, was still enough for people to be saying, what about Roy Moore, of, as he walked uncomfortably away from the podium? Absolutely. And uh, I, I think the fact this is a, this is a president who will often turn around in situations like this and engage in those questions. He didn't uh, today, which I think reflects a view. This is something I've heard from people who are close to the president who are not necessarily in, in the White House say um, there's no real upside to him getting involved. Uh, the catch-22 on this is um, really the only way, I think, f- I shouldn't say the only way, a, a way to uh, ensure that, uh, I think, you talked about a backlash, I do think a way to ensure that Roy Moore was is not elected to the Senate, which is not entirely clear what Trump wants, if Trump would would care if Moore were elected to the Senate, um, would be for Trump to undercut him. Uh, he's very popular in Alabama. You have to think that there'd be enough with the, all the allegations, with you know the polls that are showing Doug Jones, the Democrat, uh, closing. Some show him ahead. I'm a little skeptical, but we'll we'll see that the president could sort of be the nail in the coffin uh, for for Moore. Um, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's it's hard to say how how people would act, but you have to imagine that that could do. Uh, some damage uh, to more the fact that he didn't do it um, uh, and and is presumably going to avoid speaking about it as as long as he can um, is interesting to me michael warren thanks for joining us on the daily standard podcast thanks for having me support for the daily standard podcast comes from tripping.com did you know that the average family visits five websites before booking a vacation rental You can spend less time planning your next trip and more time relaxing with Tripping.com, the world's number one site for vacation rentals. Whether you're looking for a cabin to get away for New Year's Eve, planning your next beach vacation in Hawaii, or that vacation in Europe where you'll live like a local, Tripping.com can help you find the perfect place to stay. Vacation rentals offer flexibility, perks, and amenities that hotels don't like multiple bedrooms, backyards, hot tubs, free Wi-Fi, and even fully stocked kitchens. With Tripping.com, one search lets you filter, compare, and sort over 10 million available properties on trusted sites like VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and more. Don't wonder if you're getting the best deal. You'll save an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with Tripping.com. So don't forget, if you want to save time and money while booking the perfect vacation rental for your next trip, head to tripping.com slash standard today. That's tripping.com slash standard. That's it for today's Daily Standard podcast. I'm Eric Belton. Catch you next time.